Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie, I'm Monty, and together we are going to talk the world of sports. And Ernie, same like last week, except even worse, there's not a whole lot going on. So today, like we did all NFL season, where we'd spit out our top five uh, NFL teams each week, we are going to do that for the remainder of the year in the NBA. So we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Actually, a lot about the NBA, but let's get started like we have been doing for the last few weeks, highlighting some of the events in local sports over the last week. Uh, Last night in boys basketball, you had the St. Louis Crusaders winning their third consecutive state championship behind Coach Hale. Um, A pretty convincing win. I believe it ended up 58 to 48 to 30. Nine over Punahou to win, like I said, their third consecutive state championship. So congratulations, St. Louis. And Kohala from the Big Island at the D2 level wins their second in a row and third in the last four years. So in boys basketball, it's been all about St. Louis at the D1 level, Kohala at the D2 level, similarly to women's basketball where it's been Iolani for the last five years. So congratulations, Cowboys and Crusaders there. Last night, UH men's basketball, only one game this week for both the men and the women here locally. The men snap Long Beach State's five-game winning streak. Uh, they get the victory to move to 16-12, and 8-8 eight and eight in conference play with an outside shot. Um, not even outside, a pretty realistic shot and a path to getting within the top four seeds, yep. which you kind of want to do. If you can get in that top four seeds, you kind of want to do that. So um, before we move on to highlight the Wahine, I know you watched the game last night. Your thoughts on how the, the Warrior men played? Yeah, I think they're playing well at this time. I mean, what, they have won four of the last five, four games to go. And I think their continuity, I, they brought in, I mean, they brought in a lot of guys, very senior-laden team, you know, as far as the starters are concerned. Uh, but it seems like they've been gelling well. I was watching this online. I didn't realize that it was on TV. I, sh- I should have watched it. I probably would have got a better gauge on this particular team. But I think they're hitting the, you know, their strength at the right time. I know that they played Davis upcoming uh, then they play. They play Riverside. Riverside. Davis this coming but week. they but they close out with two. E- in my opinion, two easy, two easy uh, teams. Bakersfield. I mean, not to put anything bad about these teams, but I think if they can split the next two, I think we talked about this after, off the air, and go three and four to close out the season. They got a shot to get into into uh, you know a good standing in regards to seating is concerned. You know, in the in the playoff tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think the way the Big West seems to always be, uh, you have Irvine at the top, tied with uh, UC San Diego. But as we alluded to before, UC San Diego still is ineligible to compete because of their transition from D two to D one. 
Um, and it's kind of anybody's ball game. Irvine seemed to be invincible. They beat Hawaii pretty badly twice this year, but they're a little vulnerable right now. And Hawaii is a different team right now than they were when they played those teams. So last night for the first time in a couple of weeks, Javon McClanahan was available to play. He only played four minutes. They tried to introduce him a little bit there in the second half. That's going to be to me the interesting part about how this season finishes. Javon McClanahan was their most important player last year. Uh, This year, it's been an up and down season before the injury. And I think it's clear that the Hawaii basketball team has played their best basketball all year without Javon McClanahan. But if they want to win the Big West tournament, I think somehow you got to incorporate him back into the mix. And hopefully the time on the bench watching what the rest of the guys are doing, moving the ball, passing the ball, sharing the ball. Um, Justin McCoy has really blossomed yeah. during this time as well. North Carolina. A huge game last <laughs> night with 26 points. I think it's going to be critical because Javon McClanahan has proven to be the guy at the end of the game that has the guadubis to take a game-winning shot, yeah. to, to, to handle pressure down the stretch. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they incorporate him back. I'm sure he was disappointed with just four minutes, but at the end of the day, like you know with your Steelers, you go with the hot hand, and Mason Rudolph carried them into the playoffs, and they stuck with him. And right now, the team that's on the floor has been what's really worked for the Warrior men. So Javon McClanahan, I think they have to find a way. They have two weeks to do so on the road and then back home before we get into the tournament. But they'll be their best if they can incorporate him without disrupting the flow that they currently have. Yeah, maybe as a six six man off the bench and just see how the game flows. And based upon, you know, that... Uh, you know his type of game that night. You stick with him in the closing lineup or not? I yeah. mean that's that's the way I that's the way I I would envision that it happening. But to disturb, uh, you know, a good thing that's happening right now doesn't seem like the right path to take. Yeah, but you when you watch the game, you know, you can just see that why Long Beach State typically gives Hawaii. Uh, all they can handle. They're like all 6'6 to 6'8, long, lengthy, quicker. Um, but we started off strong and hung on for dear life. On the female side, on the Wahine side, Deja Phillips with 29 points in only like 22 minutes. She went off scoring her 1,000th point as, the, as a Wahine. And the women, first place with a 13-3 and record going down the stretch. They continue to lead 16-9 overall, 13-3 and in the conference. Um, they come home next week for two tough games against uh, Davis and Riverside. Both, I think one is third and one is fourth. So it's not cupcakes, but they can really put a stranglehold on the number one seed if they take, home, take care of business at home next week. Yeah, so hopefully Laura Beeman gets, you know, continues her success. Uh, puts them on the right path. Puts, I mean, puts them in, you know, in the right position to execute as best as possible. It's been a while since the Wahine have, uh, you know, I mean, they've been in position, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. I'm hoping that this is that year. Definitely. I mean, uh, hopefully we can get there on the men's volleyball side. Very easy matches this week against Missouri S and T. That's right. 
Missouri SNT <laughs> SNT um, a startup school at the Division One level. So we talked about this all the time. There's so many schools that made the decision to get rid of men's volleyball right. because of Title Nine. There are some of these small directional schools in weird places across the country that are being like, you know what? There's only like 30 teams. Why don't we? Why don't we join why this? Because they don't have football, so right. they have scholarships to be able to dish out. But two. Easy sweeps. This week, they play two more against Sacred Hearts. What everybody's waiting for is two weeks from now, the Outrigger Classic, when number two, Grand Canyon, comes into town against number three, Hawaii. And I believe UCLA is here as well for that tournament. That's what everyone in Hawaii is waiting for. Yeah, Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. I got to let my daughter know about that. (laughs) See where her loyalties lie. There you go. All right, gang. So that's basically it in local sports. Men's baseball in full force. I'm not sure what happened today, but uh, the first two games against number 13, NC State, they lose the first one 17 to 12. They came back and won last night in another high scoring affair. Um, They're holding their own, you know, two and two against nationally ranked Ole Miss the national champion two years ago and then splitting the first two games against nc state so hopefully this is a sign of big things to come for the rainbow men so ernie let's transition into the nba before we get into our top five your celtics are on another heater Mm -hmm. they've won eight games in a row the hottest team in the nba dallas winning seven in a row would be uh would be second your thoughts on where the celtics are right now are they just where they're supposed to be I yeah I think I mean I I think they're in a good I I really think they're in they're in a good place. Now they during that winning streak I don't think they've been playing their A game. Yeah, in in a lot of those games, you know they seem to like get out in early leads, then take their foot off the pedal, allowing the other teams in, and then turning on the gas again towards the end, and you know getting a double digit win. They they do lead the NV, NBA. In uh, net differential, uh, historically, uh, the fifth team, I believe, if they hold this up in NBA history to have a double-digit net uh, differential, uh, the Warriors did that twice. And historically, when you have that type of differential, uh, you're an NBA champion. Uh, so hopefully that holds that holds true. Uh, but still, the, my biggest concern is can they remain healthy? Going into the playoffs, that's true with all the teams, but um, I just I I I just have that feeling because last year, it, I I if Brogdon was healthy and Jason Tatum didn't sprain his ankle during Game Seven against Miami, I truly believe the Boston Celtics not, not don't know if they would beat the Denver Nuggets, but I think they would have given them given them a, a better run for their money. Uh, you know what? I would agree. I mean, I, like I've been saying all along, I think the Celtics are the class of the East. Nothing has really changed for me. Um, I think the Knicks could be a problem yeah. because of the way they play if they all get healthy. And that's a big if. And we're down to the last 22, 23 games in the season. They have to all get healthy and put it together. And there's a lot of parts that are relatively new. So i just not sure they have enough time. But they have... The physicality, yeah. they have a lot of the heat 
but they don't have Jimmy Butler. But Jalen Brunson is playing like Jimmy Butler yeah. this year. But Milwaukee's had a couple of good last two games. They look good coming out of the break, but they look like a disaster going into the break. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about their their coach right now. In fact, why don't we do that right now? Your thoughts on Doc Rivers and everything that's going on with him getting the job in the middle of the season at, in Milwaukee. I mean, I mean, we both talked about this when he was a coaching candidate. I think, the, and we, we speculated on top of this saying that, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, why would they fire uh, their coach when they had the second best record in the East? And it came out, you know, we may mention that, hey, they had, an, they had one of the easiest schedules. That's why they're doing well, and they've been barely winning. But, you know, the law of averages, this is their really a tough part of their schedule, and I kind of knew, and we, I think we both mentioned it, that when Doc Rivers came into this situation, that there was going to be some uh, tough adjustments, you know. And in this case, the adjustments are equating to losses. I think that Doc Rivers right now, I mean, I didn't think it would be this bad, but I expected them not to be like uh, a fast start. I think we need to be a little bit patient. You know, with his uh, coaching philosophy, maybe give it another wait until the end of uh, March to decide. I know that's going to be too late for anything to happen, but I think we can get a better gauge on how his philosophy links in with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I hope I hope he doesn't do well because <laughs> you know, as ulterior ulterior yeah, motives. I mean, there. I, I, we've all seen it. The Milwaukee Bucks can beat the Denver Nuggets. They can beat the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Today, they beat the Philadelphia 76ers, albeit without Embiid. They can beat, and with Damon Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's, that's got to be, if not the top duo in the NBA, one of the top duos. And if both of them have go into a game with the A game, they can compete with anybody. Their, their problem, their team defense slows them down. Yeah, I mean, and that's been their kind of their calling card uh, with Drew Holiday and and Giannis, and now that's just not the case. So, um, but I don't see. I mean, Cleveland is playing well. Actually, right now, Cleveland is actually the number two seed in the East. They have talent. I just they're one of those that they've not proven that no. they can win anything yet. So, are they capable of winning one or two series? Yes, they're capable of winning one and two series, but I could see them being knocked out. Um, the Knicks, to me, are the biggest threat to the Celtics if they are fully healthy. You're absolutely right. If Damon Giannis get on a on a on a hot streak, they can knock off really anyone. But Philadelphia is a shadow of themselves without Embiid. Um, Indiana, they're capable, but I don't think they're capable of putting much of a threat to the Celtics and then after that you know the heat they're they always turn it on so you never can rule them out but Orlando they're still young the Bulls the Hawks uh there there's not a whole lot of threats there so I think it's the Celtics to lose and I don't I just don't see it happening I think they could roll through the Eastern Conference one of those 12 and 2 12 and 1 type streaks if they can stay consistently motivated. Yeah, they're mad. they already came out with a magic number with uh what they're what they're 57 there's 27 games to go their magic number is 17 already. 17 meaning that if they lose uh if they if any combination of them winning and the teams below them losing 
adds up to 17, that they'll, they'll still win. And I'm pretty sure they, they have the series uh, advantage over Cleveland, Milwaukee, over Cleveland, that it would actually be 60. Yeah, and you would you would think that they're they're gonna have the number one seed throughout because the West Ernie is an absolute gauntlet. I mean, there are I mean the, the, the question is how do we see the West playing out? And right now you have Minnesota and OKC tied at forty and seventeen. At number one, with the Clippers and the Nuggets right behind them, uh, one and a half games back. I, I I cannot believe that the Timberwolves and the Thunder are going to make it out of the West, but right now that's where they are. The Clippers were playing really really well. They're losing to the Kings tonight. They've come down a little bit recently. Um, the Nuggets are at four. Phoenix with the with their win over the Lakers today jumps up from seven to five. The Pelicans are still hanging there at six. And then from seven to ten, Ernie, you have the Kings, the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Warriors. And we we're talking about this off air. Just for my Lakers to get into the playoffs, they would have to beat both Golden State and whoever wins the Sacramento <laughs> and Dallas matchup just to get into the playoffs. The West is just nuts it is it is i mean uh it would be it's it's you know what and i think i think that west play inter, play in tournament is gonna be money because all those teams you said i mean uh i'd watch that i mean that that's gonna be very interesting and in a one game in a in a one game contest Anything can happen. Yep, anything can anything happen. Anything can happen. So. But I think this points back again to why I believe the Boston Celtics are sitting in a good spot because I don't think they're going to be really pushed unless they let the other team in. Yeah. I, I think they can sail through the Eastern Conference relatively unscathed. Whoever comes out of the West is going to be in a battle. I don't see a situation like the Nuggets just steamrolling everybody on their way to the title like last year. I just don't see it happening unless people start to get injured. No. Every single contest from the play-in game and whoever wins it and gets back into it, every single series is going to be highly competitive. And uh, although there may be surprises, there really isn't any. I mean, the only team... Like I said, I mean, Minnesota and, and OKC, they, they seem young, OKC especially, but Minnesota ain't that young. The only young player they, on their team is Ant-Man. Everybody else is, is veterans. It's just that he's the star that you think they're young, but they're not. OKC, on the other hand, they are young. So the, the West to me is a gauntlet. I still believe in the Nuggets. I'm still, for me, looking at a Celtics-Nuggets um Final, So that transitions right nicely. Again, that's Ernie Imonti. We are the sports rivals into, I'll go first, uh, my NBA top five. It is heavy, heavy on the West. <laughs> but my number one team in the NBA as of right now is the Boston Celtics. They have the best record. They're playing the best. Ernie reeled off all the statistics about net ratings and plus minuses and all those kinds of things. Boston for me is number one. Denver is number two to me. I think right when they start to take things seriously, um, I, I, I still think they, they are number two. I like the Clippers number three, despite the fact that they may lose today and go to six and four. I just... 
they've been playing really, really well. They're one of the only teams that made the Celtics kind of look mortal uh, when they played them in Boston. OKC for me is is uh, number four. I just believe in SGA. He's a first team lock for all NBA. And then that fifth spot is where it gets really, really interesting. I don't even have Minnesota in that top five. I I don't have Minnesota in that top five. I actually have, as of right now, um, the Dallas Mavericks as my number five team. Now, they lost. They lost today to snap their their winning streak. But I have them because Luka is playing at a... Averaging almost 35, 10, and 9. Um, Kyrie, since he's come back, today was their first loss since he's come back. I like what they did at the trade deadline. They got big. They brought Gafford in. They have Lively. Um, they have they brought in one more guy besides Gafford, another big guy. So they have a lot of length, bodies to throw at the Joker, bodies to throw at Anthony Davis, bodies to throw at Gobert and Cat. So I, I just think at the end of the day, Luca has won series single-handedly before. Now you give him his best supporting cast. I believe that he's had. I have them at number five. What oh, about you? Well, you sold me on top of that, but uh, I have Minnesota being at I'm. I mean, it's it's not even close. I, even if you're a Boston hater, you, you cannot deny Boston from that number one spot. Everything is based upon number two out there. And if you look at the records right now, especially in the West, I mean, you could, this can flip-flop tomorrow because the difference between number one and number four is a mere one and a half games, I believe. You know, uh, I'm not. I'm like you. I'm. I'm. I. I cannot add anything into from the East other than Boston, Cleveland. Although they're playing well, they have a 22 and two record against losing teams. They beat the losing teams. They have a losing record against anybody over 500. That sounds to me. You. I don't see them winning one. Right now, I don't see them winning one series getting to the because they're going to be a winning team. That's going to be a winning, winning record that you're going to be playing in the first round. Uh, they're they're not going far unless that thing that something changes, uh, and they already lost after the All Star break against the winning team. So that trend is continuing. Uh, I I cannot put them uh, anywhere in my top five. It's going to be Boston. I do have Minnesota as n- number two. As you mentioned, I, the reason why I have them number two is because of, uh, because of Gobert. Is that defense, first of all, uh, led by Gobert, uh, Anthony Edwards is a monster, not just for offense, but he's a terrific defender. If you, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy made uh, at least second team uh, uh, all defense. And, of course, you have, you have Cat. Uh, that that team is loaded, and when you can keep the scores low, you always have a chance. So I I have Minnesota there as my number two. My number three is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. They've been playing well. They just turned on the, I mean, they gave like you mentioned the Boston Celtics their worst loss. Even though the Boston gave the LA Clippers their worst loss of the year. Uh, We'll go more based upon more recent history where the, the Clippers gave Boston their worst loss of the year. But anyways, they're my number three. Denver is my number four. Uh, they're actually ahead of last year's pace in regards to wins. And we saw how that ended up, Denver winning the NBA championship in, in five games. Uh, 
Boy, I'm really thinking about putting OKC uh, uh, in sixth place with Dallas. But I'm going to leave OKC there just because of the record. The record is their record. Uh, I think in a playoff game, I might pick Dallas over OKC only for the fact that OKC does not have a big man. With all those things you mentioned, bringing in Gafford and whatnot, I don't think OKC has the muscle in a playoff atmosphere that they can they can uh, actually be favored in that series, even though they'll have home field and, uh, home court advantage on top. But I'll still put. But for now, regular season, I have OKC as my number five. All right, so we have basically the same teams. I have Dallas. You have Minnesota. Um, in there so we'll continue to do this week by week we will see if there's any updates it's not quite like the NFL where if you lose a game you drop because you only play one I mean some of these teams will play three games in a week so we'll see what happens next week but at this point in time for me it's all about Boston and Denver headed on a collision course if they both stay healthy so Ernie's got more NBA and his closing thought but let's transition just real quick NCA college basketball we talked a little bit about the University of Hawaii a um, couple of things that I wanted to touch on it, it seems like now you know like how in the in college football they put out the BCS thing way in advance this is who would be playing they're doing the same thing now Bracket- in college yeah, basketball the top the yeah. top it's not even bracketology it's it's them officially putting out this would be the top 16 teams this would be the seeds as of right now they did that last week and then th- that'll be the only time that they do that but it pretty much seems that unless something major happens the top four seeds are going to be connecticut purdue houston and Arizona they look to be pretty solidified the only one that could potentially drop would be Arizona if they lose a couple of games but it really seems like there's nothing UConn Purdue and Houston can do at this point that would drop them off the number one seed line Um, North Carolina was alternating wins and losses for the last couple of weeks they beat Virginia yesterday um so from, from that perspective, it's still anybody's ball game to get in. But what happened yesterday and what I wanted to get, and again, this is just complete off the cuff. It just came into my head. But the situation with the court storming, I'm not sure if you saw what happened yesterday, but the court storming after games seems to be happening more often. Like it doesn't even have to be where Shamanad beats Virginia and you storm the court. Right. It's like... Anybody beating anybody, kind of, and you storm the court. But earlier this year when Ohio State women beat Iowa in Ohio State, they stormed the court and a fan drilled Caitlin Clark um, on their way onto the court. She had to be carried off. She was okay. She just had cut wind. But yesterday, Duke loses to Wake Forest. The fans stormed the court. One guy running on knees Kyle Filipowski. Another guy pushes him in the back. He has to be carried off the floor with an injured leg. Um, And all hell broke loose in terms of the call for stopping this, allowing fans to run onto the court because injuries are happening but now there's a big name marquee player they haven't said how badly his injury is hopefully he'll be okay and it was just knocking knees uh or something along those lines but i gotta think as a player if you have three thousand players i mean people running at you that's gotta be terrifying i mean it's gotta be terrifying so your your thoughts on that yeah i mean if you follow this podcast you know i hate duke but that is not called for that is that is Bush League 
in any for way, form, or fashion. I mean, that is totally uncalled for. Uh, to me, this is something that, and I hope that they they can ID these people and just be give them a real, real stern, like banning them for five years or something like that. Now, I know, like in the SEC, they actually fine you if you run onto the court. They it's a fifty thousand dollar fine to the university. Uh, and they've doubled it now, so it's now a hundred thousand. So that, I mean, that's that's I guess that's a but start. But is it, is is the university liable for that, or is the actual uh, attendee? And I'm, I'm I'm I'll say it: the students. It's the university who is responsible for that. So, in, like in yesterday's case, they are all all universities are responsible for making sure security is set up to right. handle something along these lines. They were overwhelmed, you know, and, and and the fans started running onto the court before even one second, you know, it, the game wasn't even over yet. Um, but I think what it's going to take is you're just going to have to say one blanket rule that no more court storming. I mean, um, which is unfortunate because when we were young, I mean, there are times that we wanted to run on the field at Aloha Stadium when we beat BYU and tear down goalposts. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, so you want to do that, but now it's gotten ridiculous. Those things rarely happened before. It's routinely happening nowadays where, like I said, it doesn't take a major victory for people to be storming the court. But in yesterday's case, what made it different is... If you're going to storm the court, normally you're very aware of where you're running. You could easily avoided all of the opposing team's players to keep them safe. They didn't. You know, that, that one guy, I'm not saying he intentionally needed him, but it looked like it. And Kyle Filipowski seems to think that the guy hit him in his leg on purpose. But there's no doubt that the second guy behind tried to shove him. Um, that was caught on camera with his, with his arm and his back. So that's that's uncalled for. That should be automatic disciplinary action to those two individuals. Um, but at the end of the day, how do you keep them from doing that? Uh, I would I would say a PA announcement right before it actually happens, reminding them of the consequences that uh, you know could and would happen, and then you follow up on top of that. All it all it takes is one major thing happening, it being spread over ESPN or whatever. Fox Sports Network or whatever it may be, and it's to me it's done. I think uh, the way it is right now, they uh, threaten me, threaten me all you want until I see what consequences are going to be uh, really carried out in the real life. Uh, you know, uh, implementation of these uh, restrictions. I'm going to push the envelope. Yeah, because there was a guy that was on a CBS Sports Network. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he wrote an article years ago. But he was alluding to the fact that the only reason that this is so controversial this year is one, Caitlin Clark got knocked down and she's the biggest star in, in basketball. And then two, last night, Kyle Filipowski from Duke gets gets knocked out. But he said there have been so many injuries over the last 10 years from court stormings, not necessarily players. Yeah. He said it's complete havoc. He said there are there are more than one case of students that are now wheelchair bound forever because of injuries suffered in a mass pileup um, 
in terms of court storming. So he's been a proponent of ending court storming, not necessarily just for the player safety, but just safety in general. Yeah. And I think that's going to happen. And Ernie, I think most people, if you say no more court storming, I think for the most part, 99% of the people would be like, okay, we're never going to do this again. There's always going to be a couple of idiots that may decide to do something on their own. But if they do, it's very easy to stop right. five, 10 people. Right. It's very difficult to stop a thousand to 2000 people running onto a court so unfortunately i hope like i said i hope kyle filipowski is okay um but something has to be done because when i was when i was a college student that seemed really really fun but now it just seems a little bit overdone and it's and it's it's dangerous so yeah i mean because of the the sensationalism of of it i mean right now the uh, I know at least for the NFL, anybody who uh, goes onto the field, they won't even show it on camera. Back then, we would see the goalposts coming down, mm-hmm. and that pretty much sensationalized it. Don't show that anymore if you don't want to really have it have it happen. Uh, we are in an we are in an environment right now where that you know everything is a you know a TikTok show or a Instagram post away from being, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and self-gratification. Right. And, and it's a little bit of that AYS so everybody gets a trophy mentality because yeah. that's why everybody's storming. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be anything major. We're going to storm the court. We're going like to storm. the biggest game of history. Exactly. We're going to storm it and we're going to have our camera phones recording all of it for posterity <laughs> <laughs> and sharing it with everybody so we can get the most likes. Oh, surprise the Celtics don't storm the court every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that was a little my soapbox moment that I just remembered. So before I turn it over to Ernie's closing thought, just real quick, Ernie, the NFL salary cap is higher than expected, putting my Rams in excellent position to sign all the major free agents and bring them on board to LA. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's good. It's good. It, it, it put the Pittsburgh Steelers immediately in the black, even though they were making uh, cost-cutting moves. Uh, you know, so they have enough money to bring back Trubisky after all. Oh, they 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 do, but that 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 is a mental. That would be the biggest mental error that's not associated with a cap space. Uh, but it's it's good. I mean, that shows you how popular the NFL is. I mean, they do these projections and what based upon uh, you know revenue sharing. So uh, again. That's a boon for the NFL. That's a boon for uh, all the NFL teams. Uh, it's a boon for all the players who had contracts up for renegotiation this year. I think uh, even though it's a lot of good money, I think all the agents are saying, ooh, maybe I can get another 20% more on top of that because I can, I can increase my commission. You know, So whoever is negotiating their contracts this year, Uh, You're getting a little bonus. So for me, the team that I think it benefits the most um, is the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I think that extra $20 million allows them to keep Chris Jones for sure and keep Snead. Or if they don't want to keep Snead uh, because they have McDuffie already there, they certainly have enough money to go out there and sign a Mike Evans or one of the other top wide receivers on the market. I think Rasheed Rice will be better or they can get a better left tackle. I think Kansas City is now on a really, really, they were right around the cap. I think they had like 10 million in space. Now they have 30 plus. 
Um, I think it. I think it really helps them, which is unfortunate for the rest of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, I mean, it's twenty million. I think in reality, it's going to look more like uh, fifteen because of all, you know everybody's going to be everybody has the money. So now you know. Like I said, the free agents are the one who's going to be making the boom because, you know, instead of getting a, a $40 million contract, now they'll probably get a $50 million contract. Everybody has that extra money. It's only there. the Saints. They're only $65 million now in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, real quick, uh, the, um, the combine starts this week. So I'm let's excited. see if anything happens in the combine and if anything major happens or anything newsworthy, we'll make sure to cover that next week in the next edition of the Sports Rivals. But I'm anxious. I kind of got a precursor of what Ernie was going to talk about. So I'm excited to turn this back over to Ernie for his closing thought. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to talk about I, I go on YouTube a lot. Okay, and this is the thing. His so, family would say too much. Yeah, probably they would. But <laughs> there was an incident where uh, Stephen A. Smith made a comment about Jason Tatum uh, being the MVP of the league. And I went on a different website uh, on something that, that they were promoting Jason Tatum for the MVP. And my first words in my, my comment were, love Jason Tatum. But... <laughs> when I when I wrote my butts and my justification why he shouldn't be MVP, boy did I get attacked by my fellow Boston Celtic fans, <laughs> like I was the antichrist of uh, anything Boston. Uh, my 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 post actually got one like, <laughs> and. Three back and forth conversations that lasted about a day and a half. I, I think there between us all we there are about twenty one posts. I mean that's that, that that's that's how crazy Boston Celtic fans. Me being one of them because I could I I of course I had to try to at least get the last word in my justific justification. But here here here's my thought process in regards to the MVP race. Is Jason Tatum good? Yes. Is he the MVP? No. He is not the MVP, not at this point in time. Could he be the MVP? Maybe. If you go with the justification of the best player on the best team, yes, he's the MVP. That is not the criteria, in my opinion, of the MVP. My top criteria is if you take him off that team, how far down the ladder does that team fall? And in my opinion... Jason Tatum is just on a stacked team. You take Jason Tatum and you put him on, give me a team. You, you put him on the Philadelphia 76ers. You put him on the New York Knicks. You put him on the Indianapolis, uh, uh, <coughs> Indianapolis Pacers, Indy Pacers. The guy's going to be, he's going to be close. He's going to be a at least or close to a 30, 10, and 6. He's averaging right now, I think, 26, uh, 8, yeah. and 5 or something around there. Or around there. But that's because you have Christoph Sporzingis who's averaging 20. Jalen Brown who's averaging 20, what, 22. You got Derek White who's averaging like 16, 17. You got Drew Holiday who's averaging 14. Drew Holiday who's normally a 20-point scorer on that team is averaging six points less because he is on the Boston Celtics. He's averaging six points less than his previous year with, 
with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's what Jason Tatum is a victim of. He's a good player, but he's not the MVP. Boston Celtics would still be, and this is where I caught some guys off guard. I said Boston Celtics would still be a top-tier uh, NBA team in the East. They'd, they'd finish top four, in my opinion, without Jason Tatum on that team. People will just raise their games and just fill up the space. The Boston Celtics are 2-1 and one without Jason Tatum playing this year. Their only loss, a two-point loss at Indy. Their other wins, a 25-point blowout of the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento, coming off a back-to-back without Jason Tatum. That's the Boston Celtics without Jason Tatum. Uh, there, uh, again, uh, he's, uh, I love Jason Tatum. They're not going to win a championship without Jason Tatum, but they definitely will do well without Jason Tatum being there or not. And that's just, that's my feeling. That's just my feeling. Uh, in, in another scenario, if any of those players like Christoph Porzingis, Jalen Brown, Derek White, Drew Holiday get injured, Jason Tatum uh, picks up his games. And we've seen in the last two playoffs, Jason Tatum has scored 55, 45. And these are in game sevens now. He scored 45 after going like 0-4-12 or something against Philadelphia. And at the end of the game, ending up with 45 points, beating them in Game 7. He can turn it on. He's that good of a player. He just chooses not to. He made a recent statement about that MVP uh, award. He said he'd love to win it. But he understands that, you know what, being a champion all becomes about... uh, having your other team uh, teammates being involved in the game and then picking your places on when and where to shine. That, that's his philosophy. I believe that he is a top five player easily. Uh, if I had to pick MVP right now, just based upon my criteria, I would pick him third behind Giannis and Jokic. Uh, Definitely above Doncic. I be, Don Doncic has already shown that uh, you know you can be all that good, but you, you know it, it. It seems like it's uh, and I hate to say this, Russell Westbrook type of stats. You know where you have all those big gaudy numbers, but it really doesn't translate into wins. And yes, they are on the streak right now, but that still is only good enough for what uh, sixth place or seventh place in the West. Uh, Jason Tatum above him uh, <clears throat> I think he's good So if you're a Boston Celtics fan, fan Don't crucify me I think he's a very good player He is just not an MVP player This year He could be He's not in the right situation I think you got to be an MVP You got to be in the right situation At the right time To me Very good chance of becoming MVP finals MVP and I think that is a real good bet for him to come and I really hope that happens yeah I was really surprised that Stephen A. Smith said that to tell you the truth because I am a Jason Tatum fan he's the my favorite Dookie. Celtic ever because he's from Duke. he's from Duke <laughs> um 
But I, I don't have him. I even have him lower than than Ernie. Like to me, he's not even top five, or he's number five for me. I agree. Joker would be my one. I have Giannis. I have Shea Gilgis Alexander ahead of him, uh, and I do have Luca ahead of him because by your criteria, I think if you put Luca on this Celtic team and you took Tatum and you moved him to the Dallas team. I bet you the, the the Boston team is very similar to where they're currently at with Luka. And I don't think Tatum can carry um, the Mavericks. But I love Tatum. He's a great player. He's an all-NBA player. But I was telling Ernie, the last, I don't know how many MVPs, you're always number one or number two in player efficiency rating. That's just the way it is. So right now, number one is Joker. Number two is SGA. Number three is Giannis. Number four is Luka. Tatum is all the way down at 22. I don't pretend to fully understand why Ant-Man's at 40, Ernie. I just would kept scrolling down and I see Ant-Man's at 40. Ant-Man is a... Because they're so strong, probably a second team All-NBA, at worst a third team All-NBA because you have Kawhi in there as well. So I, I, I don't pretend to, but the, the awards have become very analytics driven. That was the reason Embiid won last year. But I think to Stephen A, I think it becomes where, okay, Giannis is one, two, Joker's one, two. Okay, we took care of Embiid last year. Who else hasn't won yet? And I think Tatum is higher up that picking order, definitely more so than SGA. I think Luka is as well because Luka's been good for about the same amount of time as Tatum. Um, didn't they come out at the same time? No. Maybe one year apart? I think two years. Two years apart. So I think Luka is there. But the argument is Celtics are, what, 45 and 12, 12. or something? Yeah. So their record is so much better that Tatum is going to get credit for that. And he should. He should be a part of that that equation. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, to me, I, I, I do. At this point, I think it's Joker. First guy in NBA history over the last three games to average, to get 15 rebounds and 15 assists. I think it's a lock. Well, anything can happen, right? It depends on how how much he plays down the stretch. But I do think that he's in a good spot. But um, for Boston fans to get irate with you, another Boston fan for speaking the truth. Three Boston fans. It just shows you how stupid all Boston Celtic fans are. <laughs> you got to go on the Laker page. <laughs> <laughs> because on the Laker page, it's clear that the top three MVP voters, the vote getters, are AD, LeBron, and Austin Reeves. <laughs> All right, gang. I get a special thanks to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Uh, they do an amazing job. I can't say that enough. The amount of work that they put in for HPU Sports, OIA Sports, Shamanad Sports, it is. They are literally all over the place. I can't keep up with where Paul Breck is and where Kule is. Where you can find them is weekday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Wake Up in the Den, 7:60 a.m., 95.1 FM, or on hisportsradio.com. Also on hisportsradio.com, you can find the Sports Rivals podcast. Check out their website right there on the podcast. We're right there. You can click and listen there. Or you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. But Ernie, anything else to go over? I'm good. All right, gang. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out.
Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.